Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burugun campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Thank you all and uh, good morning. Thank you for being here with us again this morning, live or uh, on Zoom. Don't be alarmed. Just some preaching props. I think the... um, the spirit of Peter Christofides has uh, <laughs> somehow entered the room. He's not here in person, but he's here in spirit. We're working our way through the seven feasts of the Old Testament and uh, their relevance to us today. And uh, those of you keeping count, this morning we're up to number six, nearly there, nearly at number seven. Number six uh, is the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement, which for most of us, probably conjures up images of judgment and the consequences of sin. Uh, Those would be right images. That's what we're talking about today. Sin and judgment. Uh, You're glad you came. And uh, (laughs) those of you who are visiting because of soul to soul, you've walked in and thinking, oh my goodness, here it comes. Doesn't seem very cheery, does it? So, uh, yes, you might also notice this uh, danger tape at the front. Don't be alarmed. You're not in any danger. Or perhaps some of you are in more danger than you realise. We'll come to that in a moment. But um, let's, uh, let's talk about sin. How are you going there, Alistair? Yeah, just, 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 leave, just leave that topic there. That's fine. I won't be using that. <laughs> I, I do need it to face the other way, I believe. No, that's right. No, leave it there. It's fine. But just turn it around the other way. Otherwise, I can't. That's exactly what I want. Thank you so much. Don't be alarmed. It'll all, be, it'll all become very clear. <laughs> I reckon um, your average Australian doesn't spend too much time thinking about the, conce- the, the concept of sin or its consequences. In fact, Uh, I'd suggest there's a pretty standard way of thinking in our nation that goes something like this. Um, I'm I'm not a bad person, actually. I'm not a bad person. I generally try and do the right thing. Basically, I I try and follow the rules of society. And uh, there's some truth to that thinking, I'm sure, that we would all agree. You know, uh, most of us uh, are not out there robbing banks or stealing cars or uh, committing murder. Uh, So are we basically good by nature might be the question we might ask. And many average Australians would say, well, I think we are basically good. Well, the Bible, of course, teaches us something different. Uh, The Bible tells us that uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And actually, your average person, I would suggest again, would fairly quickly agree with that statement as well if you conducted a survey asking the question, Are you perfect in every way? (laughs) I think uh, most people, if they were offering a serious response to that question, would answer in in the affirmative. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect, after all. We generally accept that. So how do we understand this concept of sin? Well, we might think of sin as being a bit like crossing a line from what is acceptable to what is not acceptable. 
crossing the line from what is acceptable to what is unacceptable. And perhaps we can use this danger tape as an illustration of this. Notice you're all on the other side of the line. I'm not sure how you feel about that. <laughs> I'm on this side. That's not actually part of the illustration. But in a sense, you know, think about the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses. They were a bit like this danger tape. The commandments, um, I think we mostly understand, are not restrictions put in place to take away our fun or our freedom. They're, in a sense, God's way of saying, if you cross this line, then actually it won't go well for you. It's like when we teach our kids, don't, don't touch the heater. It's hot. You'll burn yourself. And many kids still, the inquisitive ones, they want to find out for themselves. Ouch! You see, I told you, don't, don't cross the line. Don't touch the heater. The line is there for your benefit, actually. The line's there for your well-being, for your protection. And so the Lord would say, through the Ten Commandments, stay on this side of the line. Don't cross the line. And as human beings, we're created in the image of God, which means that we're made with a, a, a built-in moral compass. Uh, that's why instinctively we actually we know what's right and what's wrong. So even if you're a devout atheist, you don't believe in God or the Bible or the Ten Commandments, you know deep down actually the difference between right and wrong, although you may have trouble explaining the origins of morality. Ask an atheist about that sometime. As Christians, our explanation would be that as image bearers, as those who are actually created and formed in the image of a God who is a moral God, we have this built-in compass. It's built into our nature. And so as image bearers, we know the difference between right and wrong. And we also know that there are times in our lives when we have to choose between right and wrong. And we in some occasions, choose to do that which is wrong, don't we? Because we think that no one's watching or we might get away with it or maybe it doesn't really matter. I went through a stop sign this morning. You know on Marcus Avenue, you get to you just whip around, no need to stop. I can see there's nothing coming. But it's actually not even just about our choices or our behaviour. Jeremiah 17.9 tells us the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And this is the dilemma that humanity faces. The heart of the problem is a problem of the heart. We're quite rightly appalled at the evil that's present in the world around us. But if we look closely and honestly at ourselves in our own hearts, we might well also be appalled at the presence of evil within us as fallen, imperfect human beings. And in the privacy of my office at different times, I've had people say to me, sometimes I think I'm really not a very nice person. Well, the scripture would actually bear that out. Sometimes we're not very nice. But, you know, we, the reality is we know what we're like. We all know what we're like deep down. And it's what we might understand as the problem of sin. Now, if you were part of the community of ancient Israel, then you'd be very familiar with what happened to the sons of Aaron. And uh, it was a story that would have filled you with a degree of fear and trembling. 
See, the sons of Aaron found out the hard way what happens when sinful humanity encounters the presence of the holy, perfect God. And so their mistake was to just wander casually into the presence of God with no real thought, no real preparation, with no invitation, by the way. And the consequences were swift and severe. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them and they died. Leviticus 10.2, probably not your favourite Bible verse. I don't imagine you've underlined that one. Thought, oh, I love that, love that verse. I'll memorise that one. Some people hear that story and they say, oh, no, we don't like that scary Old Testament God. We prefer the New Testament God. We like Jesus. We don't like the Old. No, no, it's the same God. There's one God and he's consistent. He never changes. And the unchanging reality is that sin and God cannot coexist. So as a result of this terrible incident with Nadab and Abihu, those names didn't really catch on, did they ever? As a result of this terrible incident, the Lord set up a day that was called the Day of Atonement. It was the holiest day of the year in the Jewish calendar, National Day of Annual Cleansing and Repentance from Sin. This was the day that God judged the sins of the entire nation of Israel and so the Day of Atonement also became known as the Day of Judgment. And uh, we'll read about that in Leviticus 23 this morning. Verses 26 to 32, which I'll have on the screen. There they are. Actually, the whole of, uh, incidentally, I don't have it here this morning, but the whole of Leviticus 16 is also devoted to explaining about the Day of Judgment, if you want some further reading. Uh, but let me read these verses. The Lord said to Moses, the tenth day of this seventh month is the Day of Atonement. Hold a sacred assembly and deny yourselves and present a food offering to the Lord. Do not do any work on that day because it is the day of atonement, when atonement is made for you before the Lord your God. Those who do not deny themselves on that day must be cut off from their people. I will destroy from among their people anyone who does any work on that day. Seems a bit harsh, doesn't it? Anyway, you shall do no work at all. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. It's a day of Sabbath rest for you and you must deny yourselves from the evening of the ninth day of the month until the following evening you are to observe your Sabbath. So the Day of Atonement was the one day of the year when the high priest would go behind the curtain into the very presence of God. No one else could go behind the curtain. No one else was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, only the high priest. And even then he had to go through various vigorous rituals of personal preparation, personal kind of cleansing of himself, of his own sin, before he was then to go into the presence of God to then sacrifice on behalf of the people. And then once prepared, he would, I imagine somewhat nervously, venture behind the curtain with the blood of the sacrifice uh, which he was then to sprinkle on the mercy seat. Uh, you might have heard stories about, uh, you know, the high priest would have a, uh, a rope tied around his ankle and so that if anything went horribly wrong, they would then drag him out. Uh, this, um, there's no biblical uh, truth to that, but uh, it's sort of in the, probably in the realm of urban legend. Uh, so it may or may not have happened. It's not in the Bible. 
Anyway, uh, on the Great Day of Atonement, the sins of the nation then were covered by the blood of the sacrifice. They were covered. And in fact, according to Dr. Richard Booker, the author of our Book of the Month, uh, the word atonement actually means to cover, something I learned this week, to cover. And also learned this week, I believe the word atonement in uh, Auslan, you know, the, uh, like the, the sign language, if any of you uh, speak, uh, speak sign language, that even know how you're supposed to say it, but the word atonement, uh, if you use it in sign language, it actually looks something like this, covering, to be covered. Interesting, that's uh, the person who told me that doesn't, use sign language themselves, so it's a bit like uh, Chinese whispers for the hearing impaired. So <laughs> if any of you do speak Auslan, then forgive But I think the general principle is right, covered. So the people of Israel recognised the significance of this day, the day when their sins were covered, they were dealt with, uh, and they were given a clean slate, a day when the problem of their sin was resolved for another year. What a wonderful day that must have been for them. It was a time of fasting. It was a time of self-denial, a time of self-examination and soul-searching. It was a time of godly sorrow, godly repentance, a time for confession of sin. Uh, what remind us of Psalm 51, 17, where David says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Uh, you know, David was all for offering this, the, the blood sacrifices that needed to be offered, but he understood that there was something deeper in the heart that needed to be going on. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, as opposed to a proud heart. A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. It was also a day of Sabbath rest. No work was to be done, as we've read. It was as though the Lord was saying to his people, take some time aside. This is not a bad thing for us all to do. Take some time aside to consider your ways, consider your life, consider your faith. Take a good, long, hard look at yourself. Take stock of where you're at in life and understand the nature and the depth of your sinfulness as your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for on this, the day of atonement. It was a sombre day for them, a deeply meaningful day. Well, that was the old covenant and we, of course, are people of the new covenant fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen? Yeah. And as new covenant people, not only do we have the law and the commandments given to Moses, but as we were reminded by Graham a couple of weeks ago, we are those who have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. We live in the new covenant and we've received what uh, we might refer to as the indwelling spirit of God whose role it is to guide us into all truth and righteousness. The coming of the spirit uh, was spoken uh, of by, in the Old Testament by the prophet Jeremiah, which says this, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. This is the new covenant that we now find ourselves living in. Not the old covenant, the new covenant. This is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. This is what 
the Holy Spirit does, as you come to God in faith and devote your life to him and live for him, the Holy Spirit comes to you and he puts the law of God actually in your mind. He writes it on your heart. I will be their God, they will be my people. So as we live our lives by faith, we have even greater clarity and understanding as to where the line of sin is. We walk in step with the Holy Spirit who guides us. And we need the Spirit to guide us because we live in a society that keeps shifting the line of morality. So in many cases, what the, what the Bible defines as sin, our society says, no, no, that's fine. That's, that's no problem. Go and sleep with whoever you like. You can feel free just to gossip, dishonor your parents. Go for your life. You're not actually breaking any law. But as God's people, we know, for example, that there's a right and wholesome enjoyment of sexual pleasure within the boundaries of marriage. And we also know when we've crossed the line of sin. And we find ourselves on the wrong side of the line through unfaithfulness, lust, promiscuity, pornography. And when we've crossed the line, we know that we've crossed the line. We know it. How? By the Spirit of God within us who says, this is not right. You've crossed the line. We know that there's a right and appropriate enjoyment of the resources and finances that God has given us where we put God first and we understand what it means to be wise stewards of that which we've been given. We understand and we learn what it means to be generous, to be givers as God is a giver. And we also know when we cross the line. And the use of our finances becomes associated with control or power or self-indulgence, or greed. And we know that there's a right and appropriate expression of anger at the injustice that we see around us. Nothing wrong with being angry. When you see things, you think, well, that's not right. I'm angry about that. Even in prayer, I can be angry about the things that I say. But we also know when we cross the line. Ephesians 4 says, in your anger, do not sin. And don't let the sun go down on your anger. And so we cross this line of sin and we find ourselves with fits of rage, outbursts of anger, bad language, lack of self-control. I could go on through all the commandments. I think it would probably take a bit too long. I think you get the idea. And all of us, if we're honest, will confess that, yes, we continue to struggle with sin in its various forms. We're prideful, we're greedy, we're self-centred, we're envious of others. We're not perfect after all. We all fall short of the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 7.10, though, reminds us that there's such a thing as godly sorrow. There's a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but there's a place for taking a look at our lives and facing up to the depths of the reality of our sin, and even to ask the Lord to reveal those things to us if we dare. There's a place for that. 
And perhaps if we do that, we'll come to Paul's conclusion in Romans 7, which was, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because, you see, Jesus himself fulfills the day of atonement. Jesus himself provides us with a solution to the problem of our sin. And we have a problem with sin, all of us. Jesus provides a solution. In our broken, sinful state, we can't enter the presence of a holy God. Apart from Jesus, we'd end up like Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, consumed and destroyed by the fire of God's presence. But we have a great high priest who has gone into the Holy of Holies and offered himself as the sacrificial offering, offering his own blood, the blood of the new covenant. We read about this in Hebrews 4. which says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. A couple of verses later, let us then approach God's throne of grace with great confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Matthew 27, you know, when uh, Jesus hung on the cross in his dying moments, he cried out in a loud voice, gave up his spirit, and at that moment we read the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That was the curtain that led into the Holy of Holies or the most holy place of the temple in Jerusalem. It was torn in two, symbolising the removal of the barrier between God and humanity, opening the way for us, for you, to come into a relationship with the Holy God without fear. God has dealt with your sins Jesus has dealt with your sins. He has paid the price. He's made a way, a new and living way. We read about in Hebrews 10, a way open to all who come to God in faith in Jesus. And you'll hear in these verses the language of the day of atonement. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, that place where only the, holy, the high priest was able to go, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Jesus, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled, interestingly. Remember the high priest would go in behind the curtain and he would sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice on the mercy seat. Our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. What a blessing to know that we're covered. We are covered. We're covered by the grace of God. By faith, we come to God understanding that actually we're here. We're on the wrong side. When it comes to the day of judgment, we're on the wrong side of the line. But as we come to God in faith, in Jesus Christ, we, his, his very nature, his righteousness is imputed onto us and he positions us on this side of the line. It's the greatest thing. I had this experience over this last week I want to share with you and uh, it began with a small bingle in the church car park here last Sunday morning. Uh, the poor lady who hit my car was absolutely mortified uh, by the incident, and I think all the more so when she realised it was my car. <laughs> I kept saying to her, it's fine, really, it's no problem. 
It's really, it's like, it's really fine. She said, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine, number one, because I don't really care. I, don't, I actually don't care about my car. It's just a car. Number two, and more importantly, it's fine because I'm covered. <laughs> I'm covered. I have insurance. That means that I could crash into an expensive Lamborghini and provided I could run away from the driver fast enough, it'd be no problem. Uh, and my insurance company might not be all that happy with me, but in the end they would say, your insurance policy ensures that these enormous costs even, what are they, whatever they might be, are covered. We will, pay, we will cover them. We'll cover your costs. So I sorted out what needed to be sorted out, filled out the forms online, you know, got on with life. Then um, on Thursday afternoon this week, I got an email from a lovely person in the church saying, hey, I heard you had a little car park incident. If you're out of pocket because of any insurance excess, then I'd like to cover your costs. Isn't that beautiful? I thought, what an amazing, extraordinary act of kindness. Our church is full of people uh, like that who do such things. I said, thank you so much, that's amazing, but uh, no need, I'm covered. (laughs) I'm completely covered. I have uh, no access to pay uh, because the accident wasn't my fault. Well, so then an hour later I was walking, I went on a bit of a prayer walk and I was praying and uh, had what I'll describe as a God incident. Uh, You might describe it as a coincidence. Uh, For me it was very much a God incidence. I was praying for the lady that hit my car, actually, and I knew that uh, I knew how distressed that she'd been, and I also knew that she would have to pay an excess of five hundred dollars, being the one who was at fault. And uh, it just troubled me because that oh, I wonder if that's going to I wonder if that's a difficult thing. I don't think about her financial situation. Um, I wonder if that's a difficult thing for her. Just at that moment, here's the God incidence. My phone pinged. and I thought, oh, what's that? It must be a message. And sure enough, it was a notification from my bank. Uh, of an unexpected payment from another source for, you guessed it, $500. (laughs) And I had this immediate prompting from the indwelling spirit. Some of you would be familiar with this kind of prompting. And I knew I needed to pass on that money to this lady. I knew I needed to talk to my wife about that as well. You know what she said? Absolutely, you need to pass it on. <laughs> She's wonderful like that. Amen. Who was that? <laughs> was that Maggie saying amen to herself? <laughs> See, that's pride. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> See? <laughs> I've reflected on that, you know, and uh, here's what I think the Lord's saying. You know, when I think of the day of atonement, the day of judgment, the day of the Lord that is to come, I don't have any fear, actually. I I honestly, I mean, it might be different when I get there. (laughs) As I stand here before you this morning, I don't have any fear of that because I know I'm covered. I'm covered, actually. I'm covered by the blood of Jesus, and I know it. I know it. But there are people around me in my street, some of my friends, perhaps family, perhaps the same for you, who are not covered. 
And perhaps there's more I can do for them to pray for them, to love them, to show a, a greater interest in their salvation in a, as appropriate a way as I can conjure, to show them the kindness of God. You know, the Bible says this in Romans, uh, it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Not the badgering. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kindness, kindness, acts of kindness make such a difference. Well, let's end where we started, Romans 3. And you should never put a full stop at the end of Romans 3.23, which says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Amen. Let me ask you this morning, are you covered? Well, Patricia is different. I think we all know that. <laughs> are you covered? Is your eternal salvation secure? And do you know it? Do you know it with great assurance this morning? It's the most important question of life. Are you covered? And if sitting here this morning you would say, yeah, look, absolutely, I'm, I know that I am. I, as we come to communion, I come with, actually with great uh, enthusiasm, boldly into the presence of God because I know I'm covered. Are those around you covered? Are the people on your street, your neighbours, your work colleagues, are the people around you who are not covered and you know they're not covered? 1 Corinthians 11, for I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he'd given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Often we, uh, we stop there when we read this passage, particularly in relation to communion. But let me read on. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognising the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That's why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have died. So what I want to do this morning as we just prepare our hearts to share in this meal uh, together and be reminded that, um, you know, the Lord broke bread as he shared that meal with his disciples. He broke bread as a reminder that his own body would be broken and for the sins of the world. And he took the cup and he shared it with his disciples. But before we come to that this morning, I want to invite us to just do something a little different. The ushers are wandering around with, uh, if, you don't, if you want to participate, 
and you didn't receive, um, yeah, thanks, David, just down the front here. David? Oh, Rob, thanks. Thank you. Janelle, I'm just going to ask you maybe just to stop. I mean, that is, that, that's beautiful, isn't it? I hate that, asking you to stop. But what I want us to do, just, just hold your elements, just hold them still. Don't, just for a moment, don't mess with the little thing. You'll get there. That's, but let's take a moment just to be still before the Lord and examine ourselves just for a minute, just for a minute. Just talk to the Lord about what's going on in your heart right now, where you're at, what's in your life that shouldn't be there. What do you propose to do about it? What's your response to God this morning? Let's be quiet for a moment. I'd like to lead you in a short prayer and if you would like to include yourself in this prayer, feel free. I'm going to pray it for myself, but perhaps you can say amen. Oh Lord our God, when I... Read the verse in Romans 3 that all have sinned and fall short of your glory. I know that applies to me. And I would just confess to you this morning that I know that I fall short of your glory. I know, Lord, that there are things in my life that shouldn't be there. And, uh, Lord, I confess those things to you in this quiet moment. And as I confess, really... uh, I understand the word confess means to agree. I agree with you, Lord, about the state of my heart. I agree with you about the state of my fallenness. And Lord, I'm sorry for those things. 
that continue to trouble me in a sense in terms of my own sin. But Lord, I thank you afresh this morning for your forgiveness of my sin, which is complete. And though my sins as scarlet be, they shall be white as snow because of what you have done, Lord Jesus, on the cross, that you have paid the price for my sin, that you have atoned for my sin. And so as I look ahead to the day of judgment that is coming for all people, Lord, this morning I have no fear because I am covered. I'm covered by your blood. And on that day of judgment, as I stand before you, you will welcome me into your presence. Not because of what I've done, but because of what you've done. Lord, I pray this morning for my brothers and sisters here in this building, particularly those who are people of faith and yet have a sense of fear of judgment. Lord, that by your spirit you would speak to their hearts, speak to our hearts collectively this morning with that strong assurance of faith that we might be set free from that fear and be set free to live our lives for you, pursuing greater holiness, pursuing greater righteousness, pursuing lives that reflect who you've called and made us to be. Help us in that, Lord, we pray. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Why don't we share together? Thanks, Janelle. Just take the bread and the, take the cup as you'd like to. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.